Welcome to the Nude Attitude, where we shatter the mirrored ceiling, worship our sexy selves, and talk about all things holy. This is a safe place where we will be throwing around confidence like confetti and applauding people flaunting their bodies no matter the size, color, gender, or ability. I'm your host, Madeline Gregg, and we're about to dive into the lady pond or whatever gender you prefer to sink into. So raise your glasses high and cheers to your slut side in this nude revolution. you ready I have a feeling you're gonna plead the fifth and that's okay yeah what what's your name and what do you prefer to be called so my name is Jace Curry and I prefer Jace what are your pronouns uh she her hers what's your sexual orientation straight what's your favorite position so that one is for my husband only to know sorry friends um what's the last porn you watched cleared my browser history right before this call in preparation for this question so oh, I same <laughs> I'm just well, actually I was like religiously watching tiktoks but you know I'm notorious for like as soon as I get done I'm just like okay that never happened <laughs> <laughs> um so what's the most amount of people you've had sex with at one time so like are we talking in the room, in the bed, in the planet with us. They could like, have been in the bathroom, but as long as like you're hearing them while having sex. Um, yeah, this one's top secret too. Sorry, friend. <laughs> um, what do you think your most attractive feature is? My most attractive feature is hands down my butt, but also my confidence. I love that. What feature do you struggle with the most? Um we're going to dive into this a lot later, but I really struggled to love or accept or really not hate my body for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where I'm kind of at right now is I'm at a point where I love and accept everything, even if I don't necessarily like it, even if it's something that I feel like, oh, I want to change this, or this is not optimized. Um, I come from an operations background. So optimization is huge. I'm like, you know what? it just it is what it is right now and I can still love that part of me yeah and I think it's really important to stress that like you don't have to love every inch of your body you just have to accept it because acceptance is how you're going to eventually get to love I feel like the with a body positivity train there's a lot of like push to love yourself but it doesn't happen like that overnight it's no you don't you can't just be like oh I love myself and that's the end of the story like it it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. It's no. a journey. Yeah. Um, what feature do you notice in some that someone you're attracted to first? Eyes, smile. So their face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I How guess you when, when you put it like that, I sound really shallow, but it's okay. okay. I'm <laughs> incredibly shallow. <laughs> um, how do you unwind? So I unwind by doing a lot of breath work and this is, um, 
by Which my is not the kinky breath work. It's yeah, not the kinky play. breath. I want to make that very clear. Thank this you. is like meditation. Yes. So I actually got into breath work because I really kind of sucked at meditation unless it was like guided meditation timers. And even then I could still have my mind wander in the 30 seconds between the dude's voice lulling. Um, so yeah, I, I started getting into breath work and this was a huge part of healing my relationship to food and my body. So we'll dig into that a little bit, but I'm doing a lot of that to unwind. Um, Honestly, for me, I discovered a really long time ago that there's not that much stuff that's worth going bananas over. Mm -hmm. So really picking and choosing my battles and that way I don't have that much to unwind from anyways. That's really good advice. Yeah. So I want you to explain your job because I don't even know how to dive into it first. You work with body positivity I do. But also business, correct? I do. Yeah. So um, I'm a food freedom and body image coach. And that is how I've marketed myself um, for the last little bit in business. And I found that I was attracting a lot of entrepreneurs because a lot of what I do is helping women who struggle with yo-yo dieting or binge and emotional eating. And in the female entrepreneur community, there is a huge amount of personal trainers, huge amount of girls who are in different fitness MLMs. Yeah. Um, and they, a lot of women who get into fitness and then make it their job do so because they're really struggling with their body. They don't like something, they get into fitness and they think that they have a knowledge problem. Mm-hmm. So, Um, what ends up happening is they consume all this knowledge and then they're really great teachers because they know their shit inside and out. Um, but they still don't love themselves at their core. And so, um, because I was attracting so many entrepreneurs and have, I love Instagram. I love, um, working on just Instagram engagement. I'm an analytics nerd. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I'm really, honestly, I'm really nerdy in general, but, um, a lot of my clients were having trouble showing up on their social media because they were so uncomfortable in their own skin and they felt like hypocrites or they felt like fakes because they were, you know, saying, Oh, here's this programming that I'm doing, but then they were working out for three hours and I've fought this battle too. So So they were uh, like overworking out and not actually doing the program or what? So they would do the program. Um, and, but they do more than the program. Gotcha. So So the results are like exaggerated basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's easy to feel like a fraud and not show up confidently when Mm -hmm. you're not leading by example. And like I said, I really interesting because I feel like, well, especially on Instagram, because I'm very active on Instagram, like there's this push for like perfection and there's this push to like sell what you have, you know, but the more transparent you are, the more that you um, reach out to your community and actually like show you as you are, I feel like that attracts way more people because you're more realistic yeah, absolutely. And you know a little bit more about this than my overall community does, but I, I left an Instagram account that had, you know, 8,500 followers because they wanted like a perfect me. And I was 
I didn't want to be like that anymore. Yeah. It's not who I am anymore. Um, and I, I wasn't really inspiring anyone. And so I started making sales on my new account before I had 200 followers. And it wasn't like my whole audience just packed up and headed over there. I was really committed to finding my people. Mm-hmm. Um, and because no one ever texted me and said, hey, your 100 burpees for 100 days, that was so inspirational. And my life has changed because of that. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever once said that to me. Um, and I, I've, I've done hundred burpees for hundred days, a couple times, and it's not a real good time. So no. <laughs> uh, when I show my stretch marks, when I show what my stomach looks like postpartum, that's when people are like, Oh, holy shit. Like this is life-changing content. Yes. It's so incredibly relatable. I hate, I mean, I know it's for some women, it's very realistic, but the postpartum, the like snapback culture of like being postpartum, he absolutely despise that. Because more often than not, women don't snap back and they're like basically killing themselves trying to be Instagram perfect when like, that's really not reality. You need to give yourself some grace period. It might take a year, it might take two years. Your kid might be five before you're at the time that you're similar to how you were before them. Yep. Yeah. And Honestly, I don't ever want to be, you know, below 15% body fat again. That's not, I'm not a super fun person to hang out with when I'm like that. I'm really kind of a hangry bitch. So (laughs) yeah, like my body just won't look now like it used to, but that's okay because the lengths that I was going through to get there, fuck that. Like life is way more fun than that. Yeah. So this is a pretty personal question. You don't have to necessarily ask it, but did you have an eating disorder? Yeah. So I struggled with disordered eating for 20 years Mm -hmm. and, um, it started off really innocently when I was young. Like I just didn't want to eat in front of people. I was very self-conscious. So I'd skip lunch at school. Yeah. Um, and then it manifested in different ways. As I got older, um, I, I got obsessed with fitness in high school to try to get into colleges because that mattered where I was applying. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was kind of the start of my journey. And I grew up in the nineties where thin was very in and it's not like it is today where we have a representation of different body shapes in general, but yeah, the nineties were like heavily into like the Barbie Barbie persona. Yeah. Or heroin chic, like Kate Moss. So I, (laughs) yeah, I didn't see bodies that looked like mine. Yeah. Um, The more bones you had protruding, the more attractive you were. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, even the way that Um, I was training because I was working out with a bunch of guys, but just naturally the way that my body builds muscle, um, I put on muscle really easily Mm -hmm. and I didn't necessarily see a lot of bodies that looked like that either, because it's, it's been years before I started seeing bodies that really looked like mine in mainstream publications, I guess. Yeah. Um, Because even, uh, stuff like oxygen, where you had your body, your female bodybuilders, um, a lot of them were bikini competitors. So again, that very Mm -hmm. lean kind of look. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I, I don't think I've ever shared this on this platform, but I had an eating disorder. I was anorexic and, um, exercise bulimic. It's when you Mm -hmm. exercise to the point of like exhaustion, basically. Um, and I had that from like the time I was 12 up until I went to, well, it never really goes away to be honest, but I had to go to rehab when I was 16 because I was probably a hundred pounds. I was not healthy in the slightest. Um, and it was all because of training and the like perfect persona for dancers and gymnasts and the culture I was in at the time. Yeah. So everything that you just said, I really, it really resonates with me and I get it. And it's hard to talk about. It's not something that like you feel like you can bring up or it's, there's like a segue to, um, so I'm excited that we're having this discussion to be honest, because this has so much to do with how you see yourself and how you see your body. Because like, as somebody who had, um, or still has an eating disorder, again, it literally never goes away. Um, body acceptance is the utmost, most important thing other than eating enough for you to stay alive. (laughs) Yeah. And there's another thing that I kind of want to touch on here because a lot of people, Um, I don't know a lot of people that share this openly, and this is one thing that I'm trying to normalize. Um, I struggled with binge eating too Mm -hmm. at certain points in my journey. And it is so common in women who struggle with disordered eating, especially with restriction, um, or binging and purging. Uh, it's very, very common that down the line, this eventually starts to manifest as just binge eating Mm -hmm. and, I find that it's not like a super sexy topic to talk about, um, especially in, you know, communities of eating disorders where it's kind of a game of like, oh, how sick are you? And are you the sickest? Absolutely. It was, I have to say like rehab probably, I mean, it it saved my life because it got me to a point where like, I wasn't fainting anymore. Um, But the culture and my rehab was so incredibly toxic. I mean, it was like the new girl came in and she was like skinnier than you were when you started. So you probably should skip a meal. It was so incredibly gross. I mean, put a bunch of like really fucked up people together and you're going to get something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't think, I think a lot of women struggle with it, but a lot of them skip over that part of their story. And, Mm -hmm. um, for someone who is struggling with it, that can feel very isolating to say like, oh, well, these people had issues with food too, but they just had habits that kept them skinny. Mm -hmm. And I also that like disordered eating, there's not like a specific weight for it. I mean, I think the clinical like definition for anorexia does have a weight um, that you're supposed to I don't know. I don't want to say it's supposed to hit because that sounds really, really toxic, but like the clinical definition is like you lose this certain percentage of body weight in a certain amount of time. And I, yeah, I did want to hit on that point because yeah, um, we'll, we'll definitely go over that, but they, <laughs> you can be anorexic or like be skipping meals and have really disordered like eating and still be technically obese. Yep. You can still be dyslexic or binge eating or dyslexic, bulimic and binge eating and 
like be at a totally normal normal weight and look quote unquote normal it's not all these super skinny fragile girls it's men and women it's non-binary it's everybody yeah yeah and that's that's such an important thing to talk about because there were so many points in my journey where I was like well I'm not underweight (laughs) yeah exactly I might as well just keep doing doing it yeah Or um, it's really easy to even dissociate from that's what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I guess that answered the question of how you kind of got into this line of work. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Um, I started training under Samantha Skelly at Hungry for Happiness. And really, I was determined to save my own life. Um, I went through her certification program. It's a 400 hour food and body coaching certification. Mm -hmm. And I was coaching at the time on something totally different. I was coaching on time management and career. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I felt like a fraud because I was like, here's how to optimize your time. But secretly I spend three hours in the gym and another five obsessing about what I'm going to eat every single day (laughs) with a smile on my face post. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through her program really for me personally. And I was like, I guess if my women need this, like I'll coach on it later. But as I did this work, I became so incredibly passionate about it and seeing the changes that it could facilitate in the world. I was like, I have to coach on this. I really don't have any other option. Mm -hmm. So how, um, So did you, you made a community from that, right? A community just focusing on like healthy eating or what? So, um, I had also been a group trainer. So I, I had a community that was very focused on healthy habits, Mm -hmm. um, at different times in my journey, I abandoned them because I didn't feel deserving of being there. I did not feel like I was practicing what I was preaching, um, And really, because I had no interest in healthy habits at certain parts of my life. Um, So I I kind of revamped that community and basically said, all right, here's what's going on now. And you're in or you're out. Like, Mm -hmm. you decide. Um, But I'm not going to tolerate you talking shit about yourself. I'm not going to tolerate, like, uh, here's how I get 1,200 calories into my day every single day. Yeah, that was my next question. Like, how do you prevent the comparison and the competition, um, with people who have disordered eating? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, and I know for me personally, when I was stuck in that comparison and it was external and it was very catty and it was very, um, mean to other women, I'm not gonna lie. I was a mean girl at certain points just because I was so insecure, but mm-hmm. at those points in my life, I really had no interest in actually healing. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important distinction. And that's something that I, I look at from, for anyone who, you know, wants to sit with us, like, of course you yeah. can sit with us, but you can't be mean and you really yeah. have to be interested in changing your life and not just saying that you want to, because, um, you're like, if you're not sick enough of your own shit, then you won't change. Right. So I think it's a really good indicator is like, how can you be kind to other people and be kind to to yourself about where you're all at on your journey. 
Yeah. Well, honestly, I asked that because I remember when I started quote unquote, um, disordered eating, I, I was getting tips from other people basically. And it was the culture I was in though. Like I was reading books with the, um, like teen books basically with like somebody who was bulimic as the main character. And that's where I got like a lot of my ideas. So how do you prevent that from happening? Do you just try to censor or I hate using that word, but I feel like when it's like this, you almost have to, right? Yeah. I mean, really, um, my, my Facebook community is honestly kind of quiet right now because I'm actually working on something behind the scenes that's going to eventually replace it. Um, but you know, when people are kind of starting to slip into that mindset, it's just a very gentle reminder of like, Hey, I understand that this is probably how you've lived most of your life, but this Mm -hmm. is not what this space is for. And again, like, you can choose to be here or you can choose to leave, but this is what's tolerated and this is what's not. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, don't get me wrong. There's a difference between like, Hey guys, I'm feeling really down about myself and I've only eaten 600 yes, calories absolutely. today. And like, what do I do versus, well, you know, I had an English muffin, but I didn't want to put butter on it. Cause I'm almost at my macros. Like mm-hmm. it's totally, it's totally different. And it it's, it's easy and to see where people are. Coming. I feel like you almost like you do attract what you give, you know, if you're giving out like this positivity and, you know, overcoming these certain issues that you have with yourself, then you're going to attract the same type of people. Yeah. And my, my community knows that like I eat dessert almost every night, except for the nights that I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I had pizza for dinner tonight and granted I made it, but only because my pizza is way better than Domino's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just being real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. So, so to kind of expand on all of this, what do you tell your community um, about like showing up confidently, because I know with a bunch of women with disordered eating and maybe, um, some issues with how they see their body, whether it's body dysmorphia or just really low self-esteem, how do you install, like you are who you are and the world needs you? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things, one of my talents is backgammon but one of my talents is finding <laughs> I mean sorry I'm an I'm monopoly I'm just I'm fucking weird yeah <laughs> uh my other talents being weird but yeah. I find I can see other people's gifts very clearly even when they don't necessarily see them themselves mm-hmm. um and when you're coming from a place where your confidence is really low it's hard to find anything you like about yourself um but I always tell my community like, Hey, how can you expand on what your gift is and what makes you, you at your core? Like you have to be who you actually are. If you don't know who you are, go figure that shit out. Right. Um, but it's, it's easy to feel like a fraud or not show up very confidently when we're trying to be something that we're not, or when we're just trying on all these hats for size to see what fits. Yeah. Um, so I guess just really finding that distinct knowing at your core as to who you are and what makes you, you, 
And then showing up like that. Um, I have a whole highlight on my Instagram called I'm fucking weird because I am like, I'm going to get in my bathrobe and have a dance party and like sing along to eighties music. I like, I mean, that's just me, you know? And I'm like, okay, this is what makes me me. And how can I showcase this and highlight this? Mm -hmm. Um, but there were so many times where I would never show that side of myself where I was just like, oh yeah, I go to bed at eight o'clock every night and I wake up at four and I go work out and then I eat a salad. Like, but yeah. that's not me. I mean, it used to be, but it wasn't, it wasn't who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. It wasn't happy. You, I feel also like, I mean, you're a mom too also. I am. <laughs> and I feel like when you get married and have the kids and like go through all of that, it's really hard to find yourself again because you're giving up yourself to this little person. Um, that literally needs you to survive. Like they're suckling from your teeth. Like they have to have <laughs> you. There's no other option. Yeah. So how do you come back from that? How do you find yourself again if you have lost yourself? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I struggled with that as well, especially like in those first couple months where it's like, you don't sleep. All your baby does is eat and sleep and cry and like like, all you think about is like their last poo and how much your nipples hurt and like (laughs) I I I had a little bit of anxiety after so like if if she was still breathing yeah Um, so yeah like I that's it's okay if you don't feel like yourself for a period of time but eventually like you have to find a way to do something that makes you feel whole Mm -hmm. and I started taking walks and I'd go walk sometimes for two hours every day. Um, I was really lucky because my daughter would sleep in the stroller, but it was just like, okay, I really can't do much. Um, I was at home by myself because my husband actually works overseas for periods of time and he's just gone. So I had like a six month old baby and no help. Everyone had gone home and I'm like, uh, okay, what do I do now? But yeah. I, I have always loved taking walks. And so that was just something that I was like, okay, I'd like to do this. I can do this. So I'm going to go do it. Um, even on the days where the weather wasn't the greatest, or I really didn't feel like getting a stroller down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went and did it. And so because I knew I would feel so much better. Yeah. What's that? So basically just find you time and like find yourself through yeah. your own personal time that you're not giving up to like either a career or a child or your partner or whatever it might yeah. be that kind of got you off track to being you. And pay really close attention to how you feel after you do it. Because if you mm-hmm. are coming back from this activity that you supposedly enjoy and you're like, I'm drained, I have a million things to do now. Why did I do that? Like, stop doing it. Yeah. Um, but if you're coming back and you're like, oh my God, that was amazing. I feel so good. My head is so clear. Like, ugh, that's the best. It might even just be like listening to music while you're doing those like miscellaneous chores, you know, because um, you're not listening to Wheels on the Bus or like business podcasts <laughs> or like whatever, like you have to do for like the other side of you, you know, the authentic self needs some care too. Yeah. And one thing that someone told me early on, and I've always remembered this is when you're taking time for yourself, stop feeling guilty. 
Mm-hmm. And this is especially necessary for moms because we're like, oh my God, I sat on this couch and watched this 10 minute YouTube video and I could have done dishes instead or picked up. Yeah. And if you're just sitting there watching that YouTube video and thinking about how guilty you feel, that's not a way to recharge. That's no, just not. perpetuating the guilt and procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you're having disordered eating, if like you really just don't have this good, good outlook on food, this good relationship with food, what's like the first step in having a good relationship again? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So very rarely is a horrible relationship with food actually about the food. And so I just encourage everyone to try to dig into what is it actually about? And three really common reasons that I see that my clients struggle with, um, with food in general, but especially with binge or emotional eating is they've restricted for years and years. And so what that actually does is physiologically, it trains your body to not know where the next meal is coming from. Mm -hmm, And so when we were, you know, ancient humans living out and hunting and gathering, we sometimes wouldn't eat for days. And when we did finally have food in front of us, our body needed to send hunger signals to say, Hey, we need to eat as much as we can right now, because if we don't, we don't know where the next meal will be. Yes. That's extremely. So we have not evolved out of that. Um, and so you could with large amounts of restriction or, you know, bulimia, you could literally be training your body to send those cues more often than not. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of the biggest reasons, but also food is a way to numb out from what is going on around us. And I say food, but that can be large amounts of food, or that can be controlling every little bit of food that goes into our mouths. Yes. So um, how that can manifest is, you know, you have a really stressful job. You have a really stressful time managing your household. Uh, you're going through major life changes, which nobody is doing right now. Right. Um, so all of these things, we don't, we don't always know how to feel our emotions. Um, I guess they kind of taught us that in like kindergarten, but then nobody ever talked about it ever again. Yeah. So well, I we're talking like that- they were just like, it's okay to be mad. And then in first grade, they were just like, okay, but like control it. And they never yep. gave us the tools. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're taught that emotions are bad. We're, and especially as women, we're told you're too emotional. Why are you crying? It's not that big a deal. Just mm-hmm. suck it up. And so that's conditioning us to, um, just be like, okay, well, how do I deal with all this emotionality? I don't want to think about it. Huh? Food's always here. And food is a very socially acceptable way to numb out. Yes. If you drink three bottles of wine every night, someone's probably going to be like, Hey girl, what you doing? (laughs) You know? Um, (laughs) yeah. But if you're like, Oh man, I'm really stressed. And I ate a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's and a slice of pie. Half of your girlfriends are going to be like, Oh yeah, girl, me too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, so my friends are just like, yeah, I drink the three bottles of wine too. <laughs> 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 I run with. 
Yeah. And then the third reason that kind of ties into that is there may have been a time in your life where it wasn't safe or it didn't feel safe to be in a desirable body. Mm-hmm. And so your body is always trying to protect you. It's amazing. Like they keep us alive through all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and so your body may be sending signals to say, all right, you know, eat more. No one will notice you. You'll be able to blend into the background. Like no one will look at you and it'll be really safe. Mm-hmm. And two and three can tie in together really well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that kind of ties into the whole idea when we're younger, we're taught that, you know, it's more appropriate to, when somebody gives you a compliment to deny the compliment, say, oh, look, no, this old thing, or like, oh, I just, I don't know, something so benign and so normal that we say as women, you know, just deny the compliment however you can. Yeah. just saying thank you or like, hell yeah, I look good or whatever. (laughs) Okay. I had a couple of really good questions from the community and that they wanted to ask you. Um, One was one, one of them was, geez, that was hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What does one do when food becomes their comfort? How do you change this pattern? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, and this kind of ties really well into what we were just talking about. So you have to figure out what is at the core of it. What emotion are you scared to feel? What is yes. actually coming up for you right now? Um, and if you don't figure that out, you may be able to control your food, or you may be able to be so disciplined. And I'm saying these words like this, because these are the things that society preaches on. Mm -hmm. Um, you may be able to come become so disciplined with food that you no longer have an issue. However, what will usually happen is that you will try to suppress what's going on in some other way whether it be a shopping addiction, whether it be watching a lot of Netflix or a lot of porn or drinking three bottles of wine. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we resist will always persist. And we just have to figure out what's there and what's coming up for us right now. Um, Chances are this is not going to be a super sexy mission. It's not going to be a real great time, but coming out of the other side of that, And being able to say, okay, this is how I can deal with my issues in a way that feels really good for me is actually good for me and allows me to nourish myself, body, mind, and soul. That's worth it. Yeah. I, um, I actually learned this in rehab that, um, disordered eating, it's never about, it's never about the food. Um, it doesn't happen like that sadness. It's either sadness, control, or rage. Bulimia is usually about rage. Um, anorexia is usually about control and binging is usually about sadness. So figuring out why are you sad? Why do you feel like you have to have control over things? Why do you feel so incredibly mad? What happened? What was your trauma? That's the way that you're going to work through it. Yeah. And I, I don't share this often, but I, I will share this here. Um, for me, my binge eating where it got so controllable that I finally said, no, I'm done 
was after I was attacked and after a situation that I was very physically unsafe in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't know how to deal with that. Like I was just sitting there trying to pretend that nothing had ever happened and everything was fine and put on this brave face and, you know, continue my lifestyle as it had been not acknowledging that anything had happened. Mm -hmm. And that's when the binging spiraled out of control for me. Yeah. That's so, I mean, that's, that's proof right there. It's so incredibly accurate. Um, when they first told me that I was just like, Oh, at me next time, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So especially if you've experienced a very sudden change in your relationship to food, um, look at your environment. Yeah. And sometimes like when you first start the disordered eating, you might not even notice that it's like that. You might not do it to lose weight. You might not do it for a specific reason, but our bodies have a way of dealing with stress. Our bodies have a way of dealing with sadness. And sometimes that comes out with simple food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately you have to eat to survive. Like you don't have to do heroin to survive, but you you don't have have to drink alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think disordered eating is like one of the hardest things to overcome because it is right in front of your face at least three times a day. And you have to change that relationship with food to survive. Yeah. Cause honestly it can kill you either way, like either starving or binge eating. No, definitely. Uh, the next question was, I just went through my third major surgery on my stomach area. I hate my stomach. I removed the bandages today. And how do I cope with my scars? I'm trying really hard to be positive, but I keep crying every time I see them. Yeah. Ugh. My heart just goes out big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I do want to acknowledge here without knowing the specifics of the situation Um if we have body parts that are kind of plaguing us uh, with disease, with illness, injury, anything like that, and then we need um, surgery as a result, mm-hmm. that can be really painful because we feel like we've, like our body has betrayed us. And then now we have a physical reminder mm-hmm. of this. Um, but honestly, start looking at your scars, start looking at your body every single day. Yeah. Spend time just saying like acknowledging yourself in the mirror and it may be really hard to do right away. Most people, when they start doing this, they want to look away instantly because they don't like what they see. Mm -hmm. Um, But no matter where you go, there you are. And you have to live with yourself for the rest of your life. So if you can just start to even get comfortable seeing yourself in the mirror, even if you don't like what you see, when you can get to that comfort level, then you can eventually get to acceptance and then you can get to love. Um, and not to say if you never get to love your failure, because that's not how that works. Absolutely not. But you can't ever try to get there if you don't take the first step mm-hmm. and really just Again, looking at how has my body kept me alive through this time? What can I have gratitude for in this moment? Because it can seem really hard to be grateful when we just hate a lot of things about ourselves. But when we can find just those little flickers of things to be grateful for, Mm -hmm. they grow. 
And um, it could be something as simple as like, I can't get out of bed today, but I can breathe and I'm here. Yeah. You know, Um, I hated my legs for a really long time, but they carried me thousands of miles. How can, how can I be grateful for something that I don't really like that much? And then move on from there Mm -hmm. as you can. I love that. All right. You've given amazing advice tonight, but I wanted to ask you for like any last advice. Do you have any closing remarks or advice for somebody who's going through disordered eating or body image issues? I think those are two totally different subjects though. (laughs) I mean, they're so intertwined, but you can have disordered eating and not have body issues Mm -hmm. because it comes from years of disordered eating. Cause our brains are fucking weird. I know yeah. our brains are really bizarre. These like sacks that we're in, they're kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they are two totally different subjects, but really my answer for both is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I never used to have faith that I would be able to be comfortable in my own skin, that I would be able to have a normal relationship with food. And I was like, "Mm, that's kind of for other people. It's not really for me. And then eventually I had 10 and then 15 and then almost 20 and then 20 years of reasons that I thought that this would not be possible. Um, But it is. And it is no matter how bad things have seen, seemed, excuse me, uh, you can have a normal relationship with food and you can accept or love or both your body, no matter where you've been. Um, and I think that that's something for a lot of people, it just seems so far away that they're like, no, I can't ever get there. But listen to other people that have done it like use their stories as evidence that you can do it too because like I said I you know I put myself on my first diet when I was eight years old Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's not a whole bunch of reasons why I should ever have been able to be where I am today so use use that as evidence use the fact that I openly say that I struggled with binge eating as evidence that it's okay to struggle, but you can come back from it too. Mm-hmm. And also stop unfollowing people or unfollow all the people on Instagram who make you feel like shit. Oh yeah. Don't feel like you're obligated to follow somebody. If like you're comparing yourself constantly and not in a good way, in the way that you're just like, oh my God, why can't I be like them versus wow, that's inspirational. Just fucking yeah. unfollow them. Yeah. I like too perfect. Just don't do it. Perfection isn't, is not a thing. And quite frankly, even though it's rampant on Instagram and social media, it's not reality and it shouldn't be there in the slightest. Yeah. I searched a certain postpartum hashtag when I was at that stage of my postpartum journey. And there were all these flat stomachs and no diastasis and no stretch marks. And I was like, Oh man, (laughs) <laughs> like 
that's not me, you know? And even knowing everything I know today, I still like had a few minutes where I was like, man, what am I doing wrong? Do I need to like, what do I need to do here? And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just at a different point on my journey and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then I unfollowed the hashtag. Yeah. Don't follow the hashtag. No excuses. I don't know if that's the one that you're talking about, but that's the one that was fucking triggering for me. The whole idea of like this one person did it. Why can't you do it? It's so incredibly toxic. Everybody has a different life. Everybody has an excuse. Well, and Susie with the eight kids and the six pack has like a personal chef and a live-in trainer and like 20 other things that maybe you don't have. And really, really good genetics. So fuck her. (laughs) No, you know what? Not fuck her. Like good for her. Right. But we just all get to be on our own journeys and that's cool. Mm -hmm. Good for her for having a trust fund. Thank you so much for speaking with me. I really appreciate it. And this conversation has been so incredibly important. I am so glad. Thank you for having me on because I absolutely love this show. I love what you do. And um, this was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Nude Attitude, a podcast focusing on radical body acceptance and anti-slut shaming from a true hoe. If you want to interact with upcoming episodes, ask questions, or request topics, please find me on Instagram at the period nude period attitude and on Twitter at underscore nude underscore attitude and on my website, thenudeattitude.com. I'm Madeline Bragg. Hope you keep coming back for more.